There's no explanation to why it wouldn't work. But we got it going. So, they're lucky. Speaking of getting it going, are we about ready? Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of 4.30 in the morning. This is your boy Ben. And Pat is back as well. 51. 51. Area 51. Area 51. James Ferrier, Area 51. I don't know who that is. James Ferrier? No. Are you kidding me? James Ferrier was, is one of the greatest linebackers of all time for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay, that's great. Um, anyways, episode 51. Uh, what do you got news-wise today? This first one is pretty interesting. My other ones are kind of funny. So this is from your favorite, the Smithsonian. Uh-oh. Diver discovers 900-year-old Crusader sword off Israel's coast. That is pretty cool. Yeah, isn't it sweet? A man diving off the coast of northern Israel, not far from his home, recently stumbled upon a 900-year-old sword dated back to the time of the Crusades. Shlami Katzen, a resident of the town of... Atlet spotted the sword and other centuries-old artifacts on the seabed of the Carmel coast, off the Carmel coast, where shifting sands had apparently made them subtly visible, reports Nikki Blackburn of Israel 21C. Hmm. The four-foot-long sword was covered in shells and other remnants of sea life. Katzen reported the discovery of the Israel Antiquities Authority's Robbery Prevention Unit. The sword, which had been preserved in perfect condition, is a beautiful and rare find that evidently belonged to a crusader knight. That is pretty cool. This is a really awesome article. Yeah. It is exciting to encounter such a personal object, taking you 900 years back in time to a different era with knights, armors, and sword. Armor and swords. Could you imagine being that knight and you, you somehow, I don't know how, what circumstances led to the sword ending up in the sea. Right. But could you imagine us dropping it? Like, oh, shit, that'll turn up 900 <laughs> years later. Unreal. That's a pretty good. That's a pretty good article. Yeah, that's awesome. It's it's a lot longer. You guys can look it up. It's on the Smithsonian.org or whatever it's called. Yeah, we'll have to get a link to that posted on the Facebook and on the Twitter. Yeah, definitely. We'll definitely post that. Yeah. What but do you got, Pat? I got three today. There you go. My first one was sent in by a listener. Sweet, sweet. We like and that. This one I've seen on a few different sites, but I'm gonna cite theguardian.com as our source for this one. Sure. New Zealand Council. Ends contract with Wizard after two decades of service. Yes, I have this one. You have this one? Yes. This was a pretty popular <laughs> one. Ian Brackenberry Chanel was paid $16,000 a year to provide acts of wizardry <laughs> for the city of Christ Church. This is ridiculous. It's the most ridiculous article I've read. <laughs> I couldn't believe the name of the town. This was one of the dumbest things, and it took me a while to read that article and figure out that Christ Church was the town. Yeah. I thought he was a wizard within the Church of Christ for a second. <laughs> me too. I thought the same thing. Okay, I'll tell you what. Um, I just have the entire article printed off. Uh, what do you got for this one? I just I just have the UPI. Oh, the Odd News did this one as well? Yep. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. Um, NPR. NPR did a copy of I apologize. Of this. Okay. The council has met with the wizard and sent him a letter thanking him for his services to Christ Church over the past decades and informing him that we are bringing our formal contractual arrangement to a close, said Leanne McClelland. The council's assistant chief executive said the final payment will be made in December. The decision was a difficult one, according to Cleland, McClelland. She explained that the Christ Church's promotional landscape is changing to increasingly reflect our diverse communities and showcase a vibrant, 
diverse modern city that is attractive to residents, domestic and inter international visitors, new businesses, and skilled migrant workers. So this guy just sounds like he wasn't very politically correct. <laughs> well, I'm going to get into this a little bit more. I guess in 1982, the New Zealand Art Gallery Directors Association said that this wizard had become a living work of art. <laughs> And okay, yeah, I see. That. I guess, yeah, <laughs> that's good. Towards, at, the, towards the bottom, <laughs> at one point, the prime minister, whose name was Mike Moore, was upset because his wizardry was only exclusive to the church. So he named this guy the, the official wizard of all of New Zealand for a while. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Now, it sounds like our wizard in question is a little bit of a uh, philanderer, if you will. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> He is quoted as saying that women in the city of Christchurch use their cunning to get men who are thick. <laughs> that is a direct quote. All right. He's had a couple of controversial quotes. I guess he claims he has never struck a woman yet. <laughs> Jesus. Because they bruise too easily. And, of course, they'll tell their neighbors and their friends. And at that point, you're in big trouble. This is ridiculous. Like, this guy sounds like a complete... Dude, this is the longest UPI article I've ever read. And they're saying he's <laughs> 88 years old. Unreal. This guy is absolutely ridiculous. Miraculous rain dances, indigenous, indigenous avoidance of the census, the hilarious war with telecom over the change of color in their phone boxes. Okay, here's a quote. Now, this is from the Guardian article that I cited. The wizard says the council had decided to stop paying him because he didn't fit the vibes of the city. <laughs> he said he was a provocateur. It implies that I am boring and old, but there is nobody else anything like me in Christchurch. So I think that's the picture of the guy. Yeah. He kind of looks like Vermin Supreme. I don't know who that is. He is a one of those shenanigan political candidates that always runs for office. He wears a boot on his head. That's who that guy looks like. No shit. That's funny. Yeah, that was a really ridiculous story. Yeah, and they had paid this guy like $368,000 over the course of his contract to provide acts of wizardry. <laughs> now, what's funny is a lot of people, a lot of different articles that I, that I read about this, I read several different articles, cited him as a necromancer. Which, you know what necromancy is? Mm -mm. It's like trying to raise up the dead. Oh, okay. So, I don't think, I think that they were looking in their thesaurus at the word wizard, and I think necromancer probably popped up pretty quickly. <laughs> so they decided to just use that because they couldn't keep saying wizard in their article. Sure. But a necromancer and a wizard are not the same thing. No, definitely not. So that's what confused me too is a lot of people are talking about him as a necromancer. And I'm <laughs> like, are they, please tell me they're not giving him access to dead bodies. Oh my God. Because this guy should not be allowed anywhere near that type of thing. Definitely not. Anyways, so we both have that one. Do you want to do, funny. do you want to do a second one or do you want me to do one more? Doesn't matter. I'll tell you what, I'll dive into my next one. This one sure. is probably the dumbest news story I'm ever going to do. This one comes from the Denver post okay oh god you got this one we'll see colorado tied for state with fewest shark attacks governor jared polis boasts <laughs> okay so this guy got on twitter last monday and tweeted out colorado is tied for state with the least shark attacks exclamation point okay i guess that's kind of funny he decided that 
he was going to brag about the fact. You know how politicians often cite statistics? Yes. About their state. This guy decided to cite that Colorado is tied for last with shark attacks. You're not finding the humor in this? I, I find, the, I, I 100% find the so humor. So Colorado had zero shark attacks. Obviously, yes. Colorado is about as far away from the ocean as any of these states are. Yes. But he's very proud of this fact. <laughs> I know. He obviously did it on purpose. Yeah, he's trolling, but it's funny. Yeah, it's pretty funny, yeah. Okay, so his press secretary, Colin Cahill, issued the following statement. With the lowest obesity rate in the country, Coloradans are known for being healthy and lean. And sharks know they won't get much of a meal here. Oh. Coloradans and others from across the world love exploring our mountains, rivers, lakes, and plains while safely avoiding the swarms of dangerous sharks and other less attractive <laughs> destinations. Man, they went like, deep with it. <laughs> like Texas, California, and Florida. Now, what needs to be noted is obviously we think, well, wouldn't most landlocked states not have any shark attacks? New Mexico has one on the record <laughs> in the last 20 years. Apparently, an Albuquerque aquarium worker in 2005 was bit by a sand shark while on the job. Oh it was a little, just a little bite, but it was enough to classify it as a, as a, as a, shark, as attack. a shark attack. <laughs> now, we've talked about this on the show before. Yes. These are not attacks. These are negative encounters. Exactly. And I guess there's a trend in the Mississippi River, like the states that border the Mississippi River, where bull sharks yeah. swim up the river for some reason. They're, they're starting to adapt to fresh water. So a whole bunch of the states that are on the Mississippi have shark attacks because of that. Unreal. So Ain't it? But good for Colorado. Way to keep those numbers down. Yeah. And uh, keep going, Colorado. <laughs> keep, keep going. I'm proud of that state, <laughs> I guess. That's funny. They're very proud of themselves out there. Definitely. Anyways, that's my second news story. It might be the single dumbest one that I'm ever going to do on the show, but <laughs> I had one, to share it. This one's pretty dumb. This one's from Odd News, too. So this is uh, October 14th, 2021. Australian farmer finds five-legged lamb in his flock. That's pretty cool. An Australian wool farmer said a lamb from his family's flock will now become a family pet because of an unusual feature. An extra leg growing out of its head. Growing out of its head? Growing out of its head. Sam Krushner of Aruru, South Australia, said he was taking a break from shearing about three weeks ago when his father noticed something unusual about one of the lambs in the pen. He had a bit of a second glance, he said. The sheep's got five legs. We all sort of stood up and had a bit of a look and make sure enough he did. He said the extra leg was made all the more unusual by the fact that it was coming out of the back of the animal's head. It's a fully formed leg. There's bone and joints and even got a sort of a hoof on the end of it. And it seems to be attached to the sheep just through skin or flesh rather than a bone joint, he said. Leg looks more like a mullet hairstyle than a spare limb. He said the sheep would become a family pet once it gets a little older. Yeah, that was really hard to read. So I'm trying to figure out when was the last time Australia got bombed with nuclear weapons or something, <laughs> or there was a meltdown out right. there because right. that's like some radioactive terror pig shit. For real. As far as I'm concerned. I don't really have a lot to add to that. Me neither. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be a fun story to edit. Oh, my God. Sorry about that. Anyways, is that all you have for news? Yep. I've got one more, and this one is one of those stories that is really funny to me. I don't know how much fun 
fun people are going to have with this one. But I think this one's funny. And we're going to the wild and wacky world of video games on this one. Sure. Now, it should be noted that a lot of video game players kind of get intense about their games. Yes, they like, sure do. overly so. And with the internet, it's very easy for these people to find each other and just yeah. kind of either build each other up but usually just go at each other's throats over dumb shit. Right. This article comes from PCGamer.com, and it reads... War Thunder fan leaks classified military documents <laughs> to win an argument about tanks again. Jesus. So I don't think War Thunder is a game that you're probably familiar with. I've seen it on Xbox. It's one of those free games. It's a free-to-play game. Yeah. And it is a, supposedly it's a hyper-realistic, like, battle simulator. It's free-to-play, and it actually gets really good reviews. Mm-hmm. But it's known for being, like, very realistic. Like, the the equipment and the vehicles and the weapons are all stuff that is actually used in military. Sure. And it's known to be very kind of pre- precise in terms of how everything functions and the design of the vehicles and whatnot. And with that, it doesn't attract the normal like video game player. Like you could play it, it might be fun, but it's gonna be a little bit cumbersome. It's gonna be very technical. Sure. So you gotta learn all the controls, you gotta be really good at all that shit. And it's not gonna give you the instant gratification like a Call of Duty will, where it's just like an arcade game essentially. Sure. This is a much more detailed and I guess there are different game modes. So there are some game modes that aren't too detailed, but this like a lot of them are like hyper realistic and it's people that want the realistic experience of warfare basically now what's funny is this game has been out since 2016 officially but they had like a four-year beta test i don't know if you know what a beta test is where basically they launch an unfinished version of the game and you can like download it and play it but it's not the finished product and you don't know what kind of experience you're going to get like it could crash it could give all and they're just trying to see how well it's doing before they actually release the game makes sense so they had this up there forever as a beta so you could play it and sometimes it would work sometimes it just wouldn't work at all and i actually played it for a like like a day when the beta launched because i thought it was it looked like a really cool concept now i was playing the like the airplane version because i like airplanes sure now i don't do a lot of flying games even though I, i'm interested in airplanes i don't play a lot of video games and i don't do a lot of flying games so me being able to actually fly a plane in this wasn't going to happen this was back when me and tim still lived together and I was like, hey, Tim, I got this game. I want to see what's going on in it, but I don't want to play it. So I'm like, hey, Tim, I need you to play this game for me while I watch, basically. So Tim takes over. He grabs a controller, and he's flying around on the plane. And he couldn't really figure out the controls because Tim needs a control set up a certain way for him to fly a plane. If not, he just can't do it in a video game. <laughs> he needs them inverted and everything. So he's flying, and it's going, he's going, he's going. And then he put the plane into, like, a nosedive. <laughs> and i'm sitting there and the first thing that came to my mind was from episode two of star wars when they're flying around in the the speeder in the beginning of the movie i just go pull up anakin pull up (laughs) he just goes "Ah." and then he crashes right into the ground and that was that was the end of our war thunder experience But I guess the game, despite all that, is doing really well. I've always seen it I'm on thinking, the store. I'm I, honestly thinking about downloading it now. I've always thought about downloading it. I just never pulled the trigger. Now we'll go back to the news article. War Thunder fan leaks classified documents to win an argument about tanks. And this is the second time this has happened. So, basically, this game attracts people that are really into the hyper-realistic type of warfare, which is a lot of military history history experts, and lots of current and former military people are really into this type of game. They love this type of shit. They sure. live for this type of thing. So, obviously, with all video games these days, they're like online forum communities where people get together online and they 
type just whatever they want to type about and people blog about it and whatever. And there's a lot of like posting and like responding to people's posts. Anyways, the latest situation was with the French Leclerc main battle tank. They were having a discussion as to how realistically it was portrayed in the game. One guy said that the tank's turret, which is a cannon on top of the thing, which swivels 360 degrees. Mm -hmm. This guy claimed that it would move at a rate of 40 degrees a second. So every second as it turns, it would turn 40 degrees. Sure. So 360 degrees divided by 40, uh, eight seconds, I think. No, that's not right. Nine seconds. It would take nine seconds for it to go all the way around. Sure. This other guy, whose name was Red Cross with a bunch of underscores <laughs> on the forum, was like, this is complete bullshit. I don't know why the hell you're saying it takes 40 degrees a second. There's no way that this cannon moves at 40 degrees a second on this tank. <laughs> this guy somehow had access to the manual of the actual tank, the Get the Gunners manual, and posted a document saying that it took 11 seconds for a full rotation of the cannon, which he calculated out to 31 degrees a second instead of 40 <laughs> degrees a second. He posted this, and everybody was like, whoa, this looks like some high, this looks like like a classified document. Where the hell did you get this? And then he posted it just to win the argument. Because they were so pissed off about how, how fast this cannon moved around <laughs> on this game. And he decided to post a classified document he, that he had access to showing this. Now, the forum was like, hey, guys, we can't be posting classified documents up on here. Yeah, yada, no yada, shit. yada. But they didn't punish him or anything. Now, what's ridiculous is this is the second time that this has happened this year. There was a UK tank called the Challenger 2 that also had a similar discussion about it. But it was like just like the distance that two parts were on the tank in relation to each other. A guy who claimed to be a, like a tank division commander for this tank posted posted documents schematics on the tank on a different discussion for the same game and this guy uh he took classified documents and tried to forge them in a way that made him look like they were declassified so that he wouldn't get suspicion on him and the uk minister of defense found out about this and started contacting the website like hey why do you guys have our classified tank schematics up (laughs) and i guess this guy supposedly is going to get in trouble when nothing has actually happened yet but these people are getting into such ridiculous debates over this video game war thunder unbelievable like who number one who has the time for this type of thing who's the guy that had the shit about the tank (laughs) <laughs> like, and who are these people? Yeah. And there isn't a whole lot of repercussions being faced because you can't really find out who these people are. Right. Like, it That's takes hilarious. a lot of work. It takes a lot of investigative work to even track any of these people down because it's all an online forum, which is essentially anonymous. Right. But these people are leaking classified military <laughs> documents. Just shows that our cyber security just really isn't that good. Well, it's not it's not necessarily well, cyber security because if you say you're serving in the French Foreign Legion and you're working on this tank, you've got a copy of the manual. It sounds like these guys are like yeah. scanning the copies of the manual into the thing just to win the argument. I mean, how do you how do you how do you get that shit though? He must have been he must have been in the military or something. Yeah, I like, I'm thinking these are all military. <laughs> these are all military people. Unreal, man. That's now, funny. They're not satisfied just being in the military and serving the tank. They got to prove to the nerds that play the video game that the video game is slightly <laughs> off like who gives a shit about the turret rotation of the cannon on the tank just play the damn game exactly <laughs> so that's my third and final news story that was a good one i found that one a lot funnier than our listeners are probably gonna find it that's pretty funny that's but pretty what funny kind of shit. nerdy ass shit is going on <laughs> what is happening with our world that this is an actual discussion that's going on i don't know anyways 
on to our main topic. What is our na- name, uh, main topic, Pat? Well, man, this is your topic. Is it? I think so. <laughs> this is a good one, though. This one I've, I've been researching for a while in my life. We are going to be talking about unexplained natural phenomena. Yes. Would you like to elaborate on that one a little bit? So, nature does a lot of crazy shit, you know? And there's a lot of things that happen that science just hasn't really explained. Scientists haven't been able to explain. Exactly, and it's kind of a weird topic, but there are occurrences yeah. that people are observing that people like scientists can say okay this is going on but mo- like yeah mo- most of them they have an idea of what's going on but nothing is concrete nothing, exactly nothing is for certain now i i'd say the first one i have is, is pretty concrete but still some people don't really know i've got four i might do a fifth one yeah I've got they're all gonna four. be they're all gonna be pretty quick though yeah for sure so these are these are events occurrences phenomena that happen without a good explanation i guess for lack of better right so you want to kick us off with this one then sure this is from an article from uh, earthsky.org have you ever heard of the sailing stones of death valley are these the ones that move across the valley yes by themselves i've heard about this one this one's a really interesting one yes so i guess you can call this explained but you know there's there's mixed feelings on it anyhow sailing stones are stones that glide across the ground by an unseen force and it leaves trails behind now the sailing stones have been studied and observed since like the early 1900s and early on they thought it was just wind moving these rocks but you know some of these rocks are huge like there are some that have been around 300 kilograms or 661 pounds so you're, you're gonna have to have some pretty strong wind to move these rocks can i uh kind of visualize this for the listeners real quick sure so basically what he's talking about is you have like a like basically a desert plain where it's just sand yes death valley and death valley obviously that's all that it is just a big like the dune sea basically on tatooine yeah what what death valley what this area is is it's basically a big dried up lake like it's a big valley and it's it's deep and it used to be a lake there but it's all basically desert now and what happens what these stones are doing is they're moving for lack of a better word across the valley right and they're leaving a trail as to where they were sitting previously basically yep but the question is always how are these rocks just moving across the valley they know that they're moving because the trail keeps getting left yeah now it's it's the they they seem to have an explanation as to how this is happening i'll be getting into it sure so early on they thought it was just wind moving the rocks and there were a lot more other interesting theories like um powerful magnetic fields or even extraterrestrials but uh it was apparently discovered in 2014 that the rocks were nudged into motion by melting panels of thin floating ice driven by light winds in the winter so basically what would happen is the bottom of the lake or of the valley during the winter months late at night it would get cold enough to where there would be like a little bit of ice forming and then uh, and then when date then when it would you know the day, day would break. day would break it would warm up and it would create these floating ice things and it would move the rocks but I just I don't know how I I don't know how I feel about it. Well, the thing with an area like Death Valley is it's very tough to do a lot of experiments because sure. that is I don't know if it's the hottest place on Earth. I've heard that that's like the hottest place on it's Earth. It's one of them. It's up there. Now the problem with a desert in any desert is that you're seeing like huge ass degree swings between day yep. and night. Very 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 hot in the daytime. Obviously below freezing in the nighttime sometimes. See, just when you look at pictures of this phenomena, the like the mound of 
of earth that it leaves on each side of the trails is astounding to me. It's almost like this shit had to be pushed. And not not like oh, a gust of wind isn't going to do that in my opinion. I don't know. No, like, I guess the question you is know, I'm not, I'm not a fucking scientist, but you know, you get what I'm saying? The question is how far <clears throat> are they moving over how much amount of time? They look like they move pretty far. Yeah. Researchers aided by the Scripps Institute of Oceanography, NASA and others announced they had solved the mystery in a statement Richard D. Norris and his cousin James M. Norris said that the rock movements occurred during a rare combination of conditions in winter. There had to be a shallow layer of water in the dry lake bed and nighttime temperatures cold enough for the formation of a thin layer of ice. On sunny days, melting caused the ice to break into large floating panels that, driven by light winds, pushed rocks pushed against the rocks to move them, leaving tracks on the desert floor. I guess the other problem with that, too, is there is there enough moisture in the atmosphere for ice to even form? I don't know. I just... I feel like there'd have to be a lot of moisture for that type of thing to happen. And it happens all the time, I think, you know? Yeah. And for how big some of these rocks are, I don't know. And why wouldn't it happen anywhere else? Exactly. <laughs> That's another <laughs> question. Why is this exactly. only happening in Death Valley? It's, it's only happening in one spot. It's true. Like, why isn't it happening on Easter Island or anywhere? Seriously. Yeah, for sure, hundred percent. That's know. a that's a weird but one. That's a that's a weird one. That's, that's definitely sure. a good one. Oh yeah. Now all of my research, <laughs> are you all right over there, dude? Yeah, I'm good. It's coming out of a Reader's Digest publication. Nice. In the year 19, 1982. it's a book that I've talked about before on the show called Mysteries of the Unexplained. Now I read this book as a kid, like I probably read it cover to cover. So a lot of the stories that I was thinking about, like, hey, I want to read, I want to talk about this for this discussion. I think I got the idea in my head all from this book because everything that I wanted to talk about I couldn't find much online but I found a lot about in this book sweet so I've got a handful of different topics the first one that I'm going to talk about is the miracle of the sun sung the sun sun now this is one you probably learned about I learned about this in kindergarten okay in the year 1917 now this is the miracle of the sun but it's associated with Our Lady of Fatima which I'm assuming you've heard about where the kids in Portugal in the 1900s were seeing the vision that turned out to be the Virgin Mary Okay. This is a crazy story. So in Fatima, Portugal in 1917, there were three children. Their names were Lucia, Francisco, and Jacinta. Lucia was 10, Francisco was 9, and Jacinta was 7. They were shepherds. Uh, I think Francisco and Jacinta were brother and sister, and Lucia was their older cousin. But they all lived together. They were childhood compatriots, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call them. They saw at first a vision of a man that declared himself the Angel of Peace. Hmm. and was kind of saying, hey, you're going to be seeing some stuff coming up here pretty soon. Get ready for it. And then the second vision was on like April 13th. There was an early spring on the 13th of the the month. It was an early spring sighting of a woman who shone brighter than the sun. And she would talk to them a little bit. And they didn't really know who it was, but she said that she was going to be coming back over and over again, like every 13th for six months. So six times total. Now, obviously people would assume that they knew it was a Virgin Mary. Apparently they didn't know who it was. It was just some woman that was showing up to them. All three of these kids saw it at the same time. Yes, and there's different stories as to who saw it first. Everybody says that Lucia saw it first, and then the other kids kind of saw it later. Okay. Or the, the, some stories are like they could hear it, but they couldn't see it. 
Now, the problem with the story is that the Catholic Church co-opted this story pretty quickly. I'm sure. And took over the dictation or the narrative of this entire thing. What I have isn't Catholic Church teachings on it. It's just what was recorded back then. Sure. So, what ended up happening is they would see these this vision of this woman, basically. And they were able to predict when it was going to happen. They'd show up. Boom. She was there. People kind of caught on. And the kids were trying to keep it secret. But the one little girl let it slip the one day. That, hey, we got this thing. We got to go see, basically. So, people started to gather around. You'd be like a few dozen at first, trying to see what they were seeing. Couldn't see it. At one point in August of, on August 13th of 1917, which would have been a vision day, people gathered up. The kids said, hey, we see her. We were talking to her. Nobody else could see her or talk to her. Authorities in Portugal decided to arrest the kids. They were like, hey, you're causing Jesus. a disturbance. You're making this up. We can't yeah. have this in our town right now. And this was during World War One. So this is, a, I don't know what Portugal was doing in World War One, but still, they can't be causing a disturbance is what they were saying. Sure. They held the kids for two days trying to get them to confess to making the story up and they never did. So that's pretty interesting. Now in October of 1917 was going to be their last visit. They were told that it was going to happen in an area it wasn't far from Fatima but it was like on like a hill or something. It was where they were going to see their last vision of this woman. At this point it had caught on what the kids were talking about and 50,000 people showed up (laughs) to see what what the hell these kids were talking about. And basically, it was like everybody would gather around the kids, and then Lucia would basically like declare what was about to happen, and then she would kind of like direct the mob as to what to anticipate. Basically, hmm. fifty thousand people showed up. Now it was pouring rain <laughs> this day, and they were all outside. It's like Woodstock, man. Yeah, it was a disaster. <laughs> and they all had, they all had umbrellas, and at one point she told them to take to get rid of their umbrellas. So they stood out there and they soaked. Jesus. And then around noon, all of a sudden the weather broke. Now, 50,000 people are out there soaking wet. All of a sudden, the weather breaks, and they see the sun. And this is where it kind of gets hazy, but they were told to look up towards the sun. They look up, and they see it kind of spinning around, and then they see it kind of zigzagging around. And then at one point, it looked like the sun was falling from the sky. They felt the sun fall from the sky. Now, there are 50,000 people out there reporting seeing this. Some people were as far as 25 miles away that also reported watching the sun basically doing some crazy doing shit. Doing some crazy shit. Now, it would do it. It would stop. It would go back to its normal spot, and then it would do it again. And it did this a total of three times. Hmm. And at this point, again, nobody else saw the Virgin Mary, but the Virgin Mary showed up with the woman and declared that she was the Virgin Mary, basically, and then gave the kids some secrets to keep about what was going to happen in the world. And then basically that was the end of the experience. The weird thing is that all this happened within a matter of moments. The people who were soaking wet after the sun fell down a few times were, were completely dried. So they went from completely soaking wet to completely dried in a matter of moments. That's great. And that's the most verifiable evidence that everybody there was like, well, maybe we were seeing an optical illusion of the sun, but our clothes dried really, really, really quickly <laughs> on this October day in Portugal. Right. So that's crazy. What ended up happening was the Catholic Church did a lengthy investigation on the whole thing. The two younger kids ended up dying in the Spanish flu. Lucia lived until until 2005. No shit. She became a Catholic nun and would routinely kind of comment on the experience because, like like I said, there were three secrets given to her about what was going to happen. And that became a highly controversial thing because she would reveal secrets, like, periodically. Like, she revealed two of them, and most of them were about the world wars. But she revealed them kind of, like, after everything had happened. So everybody was like, this is kind of bullshit, basically. Sure. But she always kept that third secret to herself. 
eventually the Catholic Church kind of strong-armed her into telling them what the third secret was. And she made a deal with the church. She said, either 1980 or my death, whichever one comes first, you have to reveal to the people the secret. And they never actually revealed it. They were like, nope, yeah, no we're not shit. doing it. Of course they would. I guess, was it Pope John the 23rd found out about it? Like, he had the file and he opened it up one day, and he about passed out after he read it. <laughs> I guess, supposedly, it was about anti-Catholic sentiment spurring up in the world, and the Catholic Church is trying to say that the third secret was about the Pope almost getting assassinated, which which happened in the 80s with Pope John Paul II. Yeah. But why would they keep that one secret if he yeah. almost got assassinated but still ended up surviving <laughs> like why would that be such a big deal i don't think that's the secret so lots of people are lots of people are calling bullshit i guess at one point an ex-priest hijacked a plane and held everybody hostage his conditions to surrounding the hostages was that the catholic church had to reveal the third secret <laughs> seriously unbelievable but when science looks at the story they really can't do much with it release the secret but they can't do much with the good, good. I don't know what all that was, but that was good. <laughs> Dude, you can make a movie out of that. There probably are. But I learned about this in kindergarten. <laughs> That's crazy. Anyways. That's funny. But what what was that? Like, what the hell was going on? What was going on with the sun? You can't explain any you of that. You can't explain that. 50,000 even... people were there. So the skeptics are like, well, they were actually reporting different things. Some people weren't seeing it at all. And then a lot of people were like, well, we had 50,000 people staring directly at the sun <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> But when you look at everything that was going on, there's a lot of questions, not a lot of answers. Yeah. A lot of people co-opt this one as a UFO sighting, saying that Could the whole be. thing was aliens and UFOs. Yeah. Because I've read about this. I have this story in like three or four different books at home. So I think it's interesting at least. It's very interesting. I have to look into that more. Yeah. Our Lady of Fatima sightings, the miracle of the sun. Unexplained phenomena, as 100%, far as I'm concerned. 100%. So that, that's my first one. That's probably my most detailed one I got today. So what else you got? Have you ever heard of the hum in Taos, New Mexico? Yeah, I've heard of this one before. I thought about trying to do this one, but... So, yeah, man, this one's weird. So Taos is a small town in New Mexico. And since the early 1990s, residents and some visitors noticed a constant, low-frequent humming, like, buzzing noise. And this would, like, you know, mess with people's lives. It would mess with their sleep because, you know, you can't sleep if you hear it. Uh, it's just really annoying. And it got really bad at night. Yeah. And I think some people were kind of going nuts because it just wouldn't it wouldn't stop ringing in their ears. That would drive me nuts for sure. Right. The tiles hum has been described as a faint drowning sound, droning sound, similar to a diesel engine idling in the distance. It is a miserable noise for those who can hear it, and it never stops in interviews or sleeps, and it's more noticeable at night and indoors. So, but what's weird is not everyone can hear it all the time. Now, there was a study done in 1993 of the hum, and it showed that about 2% of the residents that lived in the area heard the sound, and but no source of the hum was ever discovered through any study. Like, they can't figure out where this noise is coming from. See, that's the ridiculous part is that they can't figure out where the hell it comes from. Now, a humming noise is not unique to New Mexico. There's other places around the world that experience a hum, and those places, they were, they were kind of able to figure figure out a probable source like mach machinery miles sure, away sure. you know freaking uh, industrial equipment so they use those for you know other situations around the world but yeah. th this one there's literally no explanation for this one absolutely nothing i already figured it out <laughs> i was just thinking about it i know I, I know what it is so there's a lot of alien conspiracy theories that there are underground bases in the united states i was thinking about that a 
lot of them are stationed in New Mexico. Sure. Now, an alien base, even if it's an alien base, has to have some source of power. And most of these bases are human-alien joint co-ops, basically. There has to be some source of power down there. Sure. They're just hearing the power generators from these alien bases. 100%. That is my best guess. Right. And uh, there's also theories that the hum could be a result of low-frequency electromagnetic radiation. Which, which is only audible to some people. Only some people with certain, you know, yeah. better or worse hearing can hear it. Other environmental factors have also been blamed, including seismic activity, like microseisms. Sure. Which are very faint, low-frequency tremors that can be generated by the action of ocean waves. But um, I went on YouTube and I looked and I, you know, looked up what this thing sounded like. Sure. It's a terrible noise, man. Is it? That would drive me nuts. Yeah. We're sucks. Have to, we're going to have to go out there and see if we can hear it. <laughs> we, we should. We should do that trip. You're not going to go out there to see. You're going to go out there to hear. You know what I fucking meant. Anyways, is that all you got with that one? The weird yeah, home? For sure. That is a weird one. Like, I've read about that before, and I, I can't come up really good. And that is from an article from Sporkle.com. Well, that's one of my favorite websites. Sporkle? It's a trivia website. Yeah. It's nice. Like, you do, like, lists. Yeah. Like, the one is all the Browns quarterbacks. <laughs> I did it, and I I got them all right since 1999. The only one I couldn't remember was Brady Quinn. Brady fucking Quinn. I couldn't remember Brady Quinn. <laughs> Anyways, my next one. Have you ever heard of ball lightning? I don't know. I this don't think so. This is, think about lightning, but in a sphere. This happens around volcanoes a lot, doesn't it? It happens in different regions and different places. I don't know about volcanoes specifically. It wasn't really re- listed in my research, but it wouldn't surprise me. Now, this is essentially lightning, but in a ball form, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> now, this is a weird one because, like, we know what lightning is to an extent. Now, scientists don't know as much about lightning as they're going to say that they do. There's a lot of speculation that, like we've talked about in different episodes, a lot of speculation kind of gets cited as fact when it really isn't fact. Right. But ball lightning is a weird one because they have less of a source for it. And it's not really a flash. It usually stays around for a while. It's like a literal, like like a soccer ball or something of lightning or of light, some luminescent that doesn't really seem to have a source. Mm. So this one has been observed for hundreds of years. There's a bunch of different articles in my book about it. The reports, some reports in the 19th century said that the balls would eventually explode, which is weird. Mm. And there is a video of this that was published in January of 2014 of what appeared to be naturally occurring ball lightning. Now, it sometimes happens around thunderstorms, which should be expected, but... Is there any particular area of the world this, this happens? It doesn't say anything about a particular area. Usually, these articles are pretty specific as, to, oh, this is happening here, here, or sure. there. There isn't really anything specific about this. It's just, it's a weird situation where light balls of lightning are popping up, whether it's an atmospheric condition that we don't know about. It happens frequently enough that it's been recorded across the world. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, like, I don't have a ton of details on it, but it's just something... It sounds like aliens to me. Anyways, that's ball lightning. Most of that might be getting cut. That was a good one. But it's weird, and again, they don't have much explanation. They've done some research on it, but they're like, we don't really know. What else you got? Have you ever heard of the Tunguska event? Can you spell that? T-U-N-G-U-S-K-A. Tunguska. Aha, I got it in my book. So this was from listverse.com. Another one of my favorite websites. In, In 1908... Near the Podkomenea Tunguska River in Siberia, a massive fireball was coming for the Earth. Now, the fireball exploded about five miles above the Earth's surface. Four to five miles above the Earth's surface. Now, what's crazy about this whole thing is that the explosion was massive. Like, it killed animals, it flattened forests, uh, visitors at a trading post, like, 40 miles away. They were, like, knocked off their feet from the concussive force of the blast. Yep. Now... 
The scientists agree that the fireball was a meteor, and it just exploded before making contact with the Earth. Sure. But it left no crater, the explosion. I don't know if they necessarily have to leave a crater. Do they have to leave a crater? No, but you, you think an explosion of this magnitude would leave some type of evidence of, Dude, of material. I'm looking at a picture from it. And it's of a forest, and all the trees are knocked down, dude. Yeah, but what's crazy is there's, like, but there was no crater. There's no evidence of the material from the meteor. Oh, And, and they were okay. never able to analyze anything from the meteor. So sure. it's like, what the hell was it? <laughs> that is weird. Now, this was in Russia? Yes. Siberia, yeah. That so happens yes. a lot in Russia, those types of meteors. Yeah, meteors. But, you know, there was nothing left behind. Now, it's possible that the object was composed of a lot of ice. Therefore, it didn't leave any shrapnel. But it's obviously impossible to prove that at this point. If it was a comet, that sounds likely. But it's pretty astounding that an explosion of that magnitude didn't leave any evidence, any type of material evidence of anything. We don't have enough record of that. Because, I mean, we see those on occasion, those big-ass meteors. There was one... And I am so they, jealous. Usually they, they hit Earth. Yeah. Don't they? But there was one that I guess was seen across like the Midwest. Like it was seen like as far west as Missouri. I don't know, probably five or ten years ago. Mm-hmm. And my father saw it on his way to work. <laughs> and he he didn't really say anything about it until the news article came out. And he was like, that's what I fucking saw. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think I had a news story about a meteor that fell in uh, that family's home. Oh, Comet. Yeah, That was Comet. in our coincidence yeah, episode. Yeah, coincidence yeah. episode. Yep. <laughs> that's weird and i gotta do a little bit more research on that one um, but in but like this was but what's crazy about this event it was in 1908 so it was witnessed like people saw it people, yeah people felt the blast and i was looking in the book and obviously there are pictures of the aftermath so it looks pretty good yeah so it's like nobody can explain what happened it was a big ass meteor yeah but okay i've got it you understand what i'm saying there's, there's no evidence of it this was a meteor it was huge Okay. This would have been, if this one would have hit the earth, it would have shut down everything. Luckily for us humans, we got the Council of Five up there. They probably shot it down. They vaporized it. (laughs) (laughs) No. But, like, seriously, that's an explanation because this thing basically just exploded. Yeah. And since there is no evidence, I think. Left no evidence. The Council of Five vaporizing it is probably our best. uh, And it also explains why we haven't gotten hit by anything recently. Probably. We've got all these fragile electronic grids out there the electric grid, the power grids, all the satellites up there. Sure. Like, any one random thing could crash the entire network of everything forever. Mm-hmm. Or for hundreds of years, basically, until they can figure out how to fix it. Right. How hasn't that happened yet, considering how fragile all this shit is? It's true. It's because of the Council of Five. 100%. It's I up believe there. it. I believe that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. You got any more with that one? Nope. Okay, I've got, I don't know how many more I got. We'll do two more. My next one is spontaneous human combustion. <laughs> Are you familiar with this? Yeah. This is a phenomena where either living humans or recently deceased people go up in flames without a source. Unreal. Now, there's like hundreds of these stories out there. Right. And as recently as 2010 in Ireland, a coroner ruled a death spontaneous human combustion because he couldn't find any other explanation for why this guy died. Now, this basically a human body goes up in flames without an ignition, without an ignition source. And in most cases, like the stuff in the room with them isn't touched. 
Yeah. It's just the body burning. The clothes burn. Sometimes, like, the chair that they're sitting in burns. I've read a couple of stories, and they're, they're, they're incredible. Sometimes, like, the objects in the room have a little bit of heat damage. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, an entire body is burning. It's a huge-ass yeah. source. You would think that something else would be catching on fire. Yeah, like, you, the entire house would burn down. And Lord knows how long they burn there for. In all these cases, the body goes up in flames. It burns, but nothing else burns. Anyway, so these bodies are going up in flames. No explanation. Now, I should say that some of the cases early on, cigarettes were involved. Sure. Now, I could easily see a person smoking, having a heart attack while they're smoking a cigarette, cigarette falling, catching on fire. Now, why it wouldn't burn anything else? I don't know. And why the flesh keeps getting burned? Like, how hard is it to burn human flesh? I've never, I don't have a lot of experience in this department. Yeah, I don't know either. And then there was another explanation out there for a while that was, basically, they determined that most spontaneous human combustions were elderly, single women who were alcoholics. That makes sense, I guess. And they were saying that their blood alcohol level would just make them more susceptible to catch on fire, basically. Now, what's interesting is, how fast do these people get engulfed in flames? Like, does, do, does, the flame travel throughout their body or does it they just sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't in a lot of cases part of the body usually like a foot or a hand ends up not being burned it's like all the body except for the left foot or a couple fingers or something weird that's a really weird it's really weird now science has done a lot of research on this and there still isn't like a definitive explanation there's a lot of skepticism surrounding it but then again too in 2010 a coroner in ireland ruled the cause of death being spontaneous human combustion like it's not going away unreal man so there's a ton of cases there's over 200 my book has an entire section dedicated to this one that i didn't really read about like because i was just doing other research on this but again it's just another case where there's not a really good explanation for any of it real i forgot about that yeah (laughs) spontaneous human combustion so we might have to talk about this one again we didn't really give the listeners a whole lot of information on that but dude i i bet there's got to be a phobia out there from being scared of being engulfed in flames probably we could do that on phobias part two we could definitely anyways you got any more i have one more it's really quick uh they're it's kind of dumb have you ever heard of fairy circles i've heard of crop circles well these are only in one part of the world from what i've seen okay and i think if i remember correctly the source on this was bbc.com one of our favorites in the namib namib desert it's kind of a weird site there are millions of circular patches of land with no plants mind you now each circle is like two meters to 15 meters in diameter and they're arranged in like this this honeycomb type pattern across 2,500 kilometers of land nobody really knows how how this happens how these formations happen where these holes come from but they just kind of appear there now some have suggested radioactive soil or toxins that are released from plants that like kill the vegetation like a circular formation sure but other than that they have no explanation of how that how it happens it looks pretty looks pretty scary if you ever look at pictures so these are what it. the fairy circles i think they're called fairy circles if i remember that's a weird one yeah it's just the this desert area and there's like just all these circles kind of looks like holes you ever seen the movie holes yeah <laughs> now where was this again did you have a location for this one uh the namib desert that's gotta be in africa i guess the only explanation i could have is 
Like, you ever notice, like, when you throw something in water, the ripples are always, like, a perfect circle? Yeah. I wonder if it could be something like that, but landing in the sand or something. Possible. I don't know. That's my best explanation for that one. I'll show you a picture of them. It's unexplained. It's only in this part of the world. That's weird. And again, that's another situation, too, like the Death Valley one. Why only in that part of the world? Right. Like, any natural explanation I can come up with. Well, I I guess it's in a Greenland, but it's, like, only... Why are these circles happening? And why is it just that that one area? That's the thing that I can't get wrap my head around. Exactly. Weird shit, man. And the one thing I, I did notice researching this is there's not a lot of information on a lot of these topics out anymore. Like, my book is 37 years old, and I think it's just because scientists don't want to admit that, hey, there's a lot about the world that we don't understand. 100%. I just, I, that's what I'm kind of gathering from this. Or not even really scientists. I don't want to put all scientists in the same group because there's a lot of people that are trying to do research on it. Sure. But research has to be funded by something, and the establishment funding the research isn't going towards the unknown. Right. It's almost like they're trying to box our information in. I agree. Now, my last one, this one is a really weird one. There has not been a ton of research on this one at all, even though it happens all the time. This is raining fish. Fish falling from the sky. I think I've seen this one. There have been tons of different occurrences of this one. This one's been happening for hundreds of years. I've got like 20 different locations written down, including as early as Philadelphia, Pennsylvania in 2016 this happened. Oh, shit. Where a storm rolls in and fish are falling from the sky. This happens everywhere. It happens across the world. I got a story in Sri Lanka back in 2014. I got one in Singapore in the 1800s. Uh, Louisiana in 1947. Wales in 2004. Hmm. Ethiopia in 2016. And California in 2017. It happens a lot in Sri Lanka and in, this, in, in, in India. And this is just unexplained? Yeah. Five of these happened in India. Two in Sri Lanka, which is the same part of the world. And then there is not an explanation, like a definitive explanation. There has not been a lot of research as to why. Why are fish falling from the sky? Do you think maybe like water spouts like spew them up into the air? That and... is the the best explanation that people have is basically what you just said. Like tornadoes happening on an ocean or the water, which would be a water spout, somehow sucking a school of fish up into the atmosphere. But that, that they have mean... to sit up there for a very long <laughs> amount of time. They would need to travel. And travel across the clouds. And then the atmospheric conditions have to be in such a way where they're allowed to fall back down to the earth. Yeah, it seems pretty... doesn't... Yeah. And there hasn't been a lot of research on this one. How can you even research that? I don't know. Now, obviously, like, with hail, that's big chunks of ice forming up there. But that's stuff that's forming up there. There are no fish swimming around in the sky. Birds would be a lot easier. Like, a school... Or birds just get caught up in a breeze or something, get kind of lifted up. Right. But fish have to be taken out of the water somehow, put up, I don't know how high a storm is, a thousand feet, a couple thousand feet up. Do you think, I don't know, this might sound really dumb, I might have to cut all this shit, but do you think... Because there's different different areas of the world are at different sea levels. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. Could could maybe... I don't know where I'm going with this. The hand gestures are pretty cool. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know. I don't know how to explain that other than the water spouts. And that is that, the or, best. Or that somehow with, uh, I, I, I can't even explain what, I I'm, mean, what how, I'm thinking of in my head. The question is how the hell the fish get up there. That's what I'm trying to figure out. How the fish get up there. And I get what you're trying to say where maybe 
the fish are just elevated. Yeah. But how are they getting out and of the water? Because water is always at the lowest point. I don't, I almost no, always at the lowest I, point. Yeah, I have no idea, man. It's unreal. And it's not like we can like we can debate about s- spontaneous human combustion happen. It could be somebody elaborating a fire story. You can't debate these stories. It could be the government doing Dro- weird weather experiments. Yeah. What's that? What's that uh, agency? The H A A R P. Harp. Yeah. Something. Yeah, I've heard about them. Control the weather. Yeah. Yeah. They they could be doing it. They could be, but that doesn't explain occurrences happening in the 1800s. Unless they were much more advanced. Maybe they were using aliens. They probably were. It is a really weird occurrence, though. And it's surprising that there's not more research being done. Unless somebody cares that fish are falling from the sky. Now, it's far from the only thing that has fallen from the sky. There's been all sorts of stories. Spiders, frogs, other animals. Spiders could probably go pretty far in the wind. Yeah, and I guess... strong enough wind. I guess some spiders, <laughs> like... I don't understand how this one works. But they can, like, spin webs and, like, travel, like, very far distances. Just, like... It's, like, basically, like, yeah. how Spider-Man does. Yeah. I guess that's, that's a real thing that, that is real. I've, I've read that too it's crazy but damn nature you scary yeah no shit family guy <laughs> yeah good job <laughs> thank you so that's another weird occurrence. There's, there's a lot of them. There's so many. And this book is chock full of them. Like, I could do I could do a year's worth of podcasts just out of this book. Oh, yeah. Looks just like it. All sorts of weird-ass stories. And it's just these little blurbs. Like, a couple of them are, like, like a paragraph long. Some of them might be, like, half a page. Nice. There's Jimmy Carter <laughs> talking about UFOs. Anyways, is that all you got for this episode? That's all I got. Yeah, that's about all I got, too. That's our mysterious phenomenon. We could definitely revisit this topic at some point. 100%. There's so much information out there. Obviously, we are kind of like a starting point for research. If you're interested in any topics, please look them up yourselves. Let us know if we got anything wrong or if anything that we talked about has a better explanation than what we've shared. Please, because let us it know. is possible that we talked about something that has actually been explained. Hundred percent. Tweet us at thirty in the. Yes, please tweet us at thirty in the. Please check us out on Facebook. Please check out our clip show. Yeah, that was a really awesome episode. Pat did a great job putting that one together. I don't know. It wasn't. It could have been a lot better. It was I, great. I was I, dying. I ran out of patience. <laughs> and I got one quick story with this one, and this isn't going to take too long. So I finished it up on Friday morning around 8 o'clock. That was after a four-hour nonstop editing session. Now, a lot of our episodes, I didn't have the final file ready so i had to go back into the raw recording and edit it back together as to how it sounded in the episode and then cut it into the clip show that was the hardest computer project i've ever done because i had to go back into all these files and i had to upload them and some files wouldn't load a few episodes are just gone completely like i don't know where the hell they ended up but i had to go back and forth and cutting all these clips in and then i had to arrange them properly and i didn't do that very well like it could have been a lot better i thought it sounded great I thought you did a great job. And then some clips were louder than others. Like, this file was such a mess. Like, sometimes it was only going on the top. Sometimes it would combine both of our voices. Sometimes it would separate everything. And then I had to have, like, little labels underneath to let me know, like, what part of the show it was. It was a nightmare. It was so fucking hard. That's what she said. But I finally got done with it. I wanted to treat myself. I had no food. I had nothing in my house. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go get McDonald's. 8 o'clock in the morning, and it's pouring rain. Just, like, pouring out. Like, so raining cats gorgeous. and dogs. It rained so much last week. Anyway, so I go to McDonald's. I'm driving, and the traffic is ridiculous. And I go down the street, and it's like, traffic's absurd. And I'm like, oh, the, the line isn't that long, at least. Well, the entrance that I go in is blocked off, and the line is coming out the other way <laughs> into the street. Oh and it's crowded. So I'm like, fuck this. There's no way in how I'm going to McDonald's today. Hell no. So I turn around, and there's a Wendy's nearby. I've never gone to Wendy's for breakfast before. So I pull into Wendy's, and I'm like, kind of hesitant about this. And sure. it, bear in mind, it's pouring out. 
And the guy was like, hey, welcome to Wendy's. How do I take your order? And I'm like, ah, give me the number five meal. Uh, let's get that small. That's all I want. They're like, small? Are you sure? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, okay, I'm, I want the small. They're like, ah, okay. <laughs> so then I pull up to pay. And it's the same guy. And bear in mind, it is pouring out. There is no awning at this window. So I'm sitting there with the window down, and I'm getting <laughs> soaked. It's just just ridiculous. He's like, hey, how's it going? And to be fair, the guy was being friendly and, like, happy to be at work. Sure. And he's like, oh, you look like you're hating this weather too, man. And I'm like, yeah. And he's talking to me, and it's like I'm paying. And he gives me my car back. He's like, yeah, you know, I was down south, and I drove up to work, and I had to pull over last night because it was just too, it was raining too hard. I didn't want to drive and that. I couldn't see anything. I was getting so nervous and on and on and on and on and on. And meanwhile, I'm listening to this guy not even long, and I'm just getting <laughs> soaked with rain. It's like, dude, can you not? <laughs> it's just like, of all the times to stop and have a conversation, that's it was so like annoying. blowing into the car. Like, my, like half the car is soaked at this point. Uh, so I'm annoying. completely soaked. I had to go home and change all my clothes. Unreal. So finally, after like two minutes of this, he's like, okay, you can go pull ahead now. And I'm like, <laughs> some of the same guy came and gave me my food again. Or he came to the other window and gave me my food. He was a lot shorter that time. Like, I, I felt like we, like he thought I was being rude. And it's like, well, he, he, what yeah, am I he, supposed yeah. to do here? I'm getting soaked. Uh, unreal. I hate, dude, I hate getting caught in the rain. It's the worst. So that was my drive through experience. I was done with the episode. I was so happy to be done with it. I just wanted to go home and relax, eat real quick, and go to bed. Because at this point, it was like 9 o'clock in the morning. Ugh. And, of course, I'm getting soaked. It's unreal. I hate I hate going into work, and the whole drive to work is dry. And the minute you get out of your car, it starts pouring. Pouring rain. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. Real quick, the first episode that we did of the podcast was one of those days where it was raining out. It was pouring out. I knew that the canvas list was close to me. And I, I wanted to go home because I wanted to, we were going to record that night. I wanted to just canvas out so we could actually get the show done. And the real reason I wanted the canvas out was I got just, like, it's like all the rain in the world just, like, fell upon me as <laughs> I was walking into work. Yeah. I was soaked. Like, my shoes were soaked. Like, I was, like, sloshing around. My pants were soaked. It was a disaster. Dude, I canvassed out one day because in my truck, I, I had to take a quick turn and my Yeti fell over all over <laughs> my front. <laughs> And I, oh my god, I I looked like I pissed myself. <laughs> See, it was terrible. At least I got the advantage of hiding underneath a paint suit, no, which is yeah. the best thing ever. But anyways, on that note, listeners weren't bad this week. We're over twenty three hundred. We're closing nice. on twenty four hundred. That's amazing. The aliens part seven did really well. The clip awesome. show hasn't been up for too long, so it's getting there. It'll get more. But Aliens Part 7 did well. I think that Facebook post I, I posted or shared yeah. had 15 engagements. So there we go. Good. That's pretty so good. That's pretty good. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Anyways, thank you guys for listening. This is our natural phenomena discussion. Uh, this one won't be up until probably Thursday. It's going to take me a little bit to get this one up. But for sure. I'm hoping Thursday morning we'll have this one live. And we'll be right back at it next week. So thank you very much, guys. Peace. Oruru. Seriously, look at that. Oruru? Oruru? Better than I would have done. Oruru, South Australia. He had a a bit of a second glance, he said. The sheep's got five legs. We all sort of stood up. Had a bit of a look and make sure he...
All right, let me start. <laughs> the way they have this, the way they have this written is weird, man. This is written really weird. It's written in Australian, it's dude. Fucking a, man. You gotta be reading this with a. Uh, with he a, had a bit. Of, he had a bit of a second glance and said, "The sheep's got five legs." We all sort of stood up and had a bit of a look and make sure he know he did. <laughs> have you ever seen any interviews with like people from the Australian outback? That's exactly what they sound like. Unreal. It's like every third word is what they're <laughs> is what they're actually enunciating. Uh. In 1908, near the Patkamanea, I think that's how you say it, Patkamanea Tuscan River. Cut. <laughs> that's me in part two of our <laughs> our mispronunciation clip show God special. Damn it. I, I, I wrote out the thing so I could fucking say it correctly. <laughs> <laughs> Podka Manea. In, in 1908, near the Podka... God damn it. Is this episode 52? 51. This is 51? Yeah, because we didn't number the clip show. The clip show wasn't a number. Okay. So this is episode 51. And we've had three specials. Oh boy! <laughs> you know I've gotten the number wrong on most of them. All I know is that we we did fifty episodes and then we did a clip show, so we got fifty more episodes until the next clip show. Awesome. Maybe I don't know. 